I'm not pulling my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for other drive to work at home edition. Okay, so I'm using uh, my time at home to interview people. I'm trying to continue that. Uh, so I, today I have Aaron Forsyth with us, and we're going to talk about Lorwyn. Hey, Aaron. Oh, yeah. Hello, hello. Okay, so I'm going to set a little, uh, uh, for the audience here, uh, understand what was going on. So this was back in a time where I was sort of training you to be the next me and uh, trying to teach you how to do design. And, and, and um, So you had led a couple sets before this, but this was the first large set that you led, right? And this was back when large set meant like fall set. Fall set, yes. Um, they were there. Typically, weren't other large sets. Right. I guess so now it, it was always like the large sets were these big um, things that were supposed to set the tone for the whole year and and have follow up content. Other small sets that came after them. So yeah, I had led Dissension. Um, that might have been it. Um, a core set or something like that. But yeah, this was the first big big deal. And the big thing about this was the kind of I mean, what the what the fall set was all about back in the day was you were setting up the world, you were setting up the whole year. There was a lot of figure out what this is and you know what is it wants to be. So there was a lot of structure making that that's a, a big part of it. Um, right, at least at least in principle, that's what should have been happening. I think we, at different points in time, we were better and worse at that. Um, like sometimes we'd just be leaving the large sets would kind of leave the small sets to fend for themselves. I think we were trying to do a little more structure here this year, especially because once we decided we were going to do large, small, large, small with, with shadow more. Well, Lorwin is pretty early in me taking over as head designer. And one of my big things was I didn't want to leave small sets abandoned like we, we did. And yeah. so I was doing a lot more like block planning. And so, so this set came out in 2007, just to actually put it in, in yeah. context. But time. but also, we worked two years ahead. So, like, this, we worked on it in, like, 2005. I took yep. over in, like, 2003. So, like, this yep. was relatively early. I think it's the third block that I oversaw. Like, I did Ravnica, then I did uh, Time Spiral, and there was Lorwyn. Um, Do you remember the, the code name for Lorwyn? What was the code name for Lorwyn? Peanut. Oh, right. Yes, it was Peanut... Uh, Peanut, butter, and jelly. And then we had a, a fourth set that no one knew about that was sandwich, I think. Donut. Oh, donut. Jelly donut, right? Jelly donut. Even tied was donut. Yeah, yes. donuts, right. So we kept a secret. Uh, we kept our secret. Um, okay, so basically, a little beh uh, behind the scenes is Bill had said that he wanted to do four sets in a year because previously, like, Cold Snap had been the last time we tried that. And I said to Bill, I go, next time you want four sets, can you tell me ahead of time? I'll build it in. Just tell me tell me when you want four sets. So Bill's like, okay, I want four sets. And the idea I pitched him was the big, little, big, little plan where we have two mini blocks that go together. Uh, and all we had really... Well, I signed you up for a tribal set. That was the one thing we knew going in was that Lorwyn, the, the mini block of Lorwyn was going to be tribal focused. Um, okay, so why don't you pick up the story from... Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, we'd worked with, you know, Brady Dommermuth, who was the creative lead at that time, was on the design team with us. Um, and we were, tr I, th I don't know if he was the one that came up with the kind of light dark as the, the, the two elements of, of the two blocks adding together. Um, but anyway, he kind of took that and mapped it onto what he was calling, you know, the sealy and the unsealy courts of like Celtic 
I don't know if mythology is the word, but or fairy tales exactly. Um, folklore, yeah, maybe. Yeah, um, Celtic folklore. Folklore with with the boggarts and the the elves and, and fairies and things like that. Um, so that that was definitely the source material that we were loosely influenced by. We didn't do this was not like a, a big top down set where we we studied Celtic folklore and tried to bring all those characters to life or whatnot. It was just like more like here's a tone. Celtic folklore, light and dark. And and we liked the idea that Lorwyn was kind of the nice set and Shadowmoor was the mean set. Like, sort of, uh, part of Night and Day was, light was, it was not kind of, not, not as scary as the nighttime, and a little nicer, and the nighttime it got very, you know, freaky and scary. Right. Uh, so that nice, niceness of, like, trying to make this set that was friendlier, that yeah. us into some strange places, like, uh, initially, we were just talking about the level of removal should be really low, or removal should be really le- weak, um, because you know there's not a lot of killing going on in, in this in this world. Like um, the goblins are throwing pies at each other, not stabbing each other, mm-hmm. um, and that's a really tough um, thing to try to do in a magic set. You know, where you want the game to progress and things to die and you don't want the board to become full of a thousand creatures. Um, ultimately, I think we did not end up sticking to that, but boy, did we spend a lot of time trying to figure out how to make a magic set where there wasn't a lot of, re- where there was tons of creatures and not a lot of removal. And so part of that was uh, we were using minus one, minus one counters with the flavor of, oh, you're just, in- you're not killing them. You're just injuring them. And then it just became apparent so quickly that like, it just felt meaner. <laughs> like it, it didn't feel nicer. <laughs> Uh, and so Persist, um, uh, Persist got actually made an early design, but when we, we decided to push off the minus one, minus one to Shadowmoor, Persist went with it. Um, but Persist was made, um, oh, uh, who made Persist? It was, um, Nate. Uh, Nate made Persist. Nate Heiss made Persist. Yeah. Yeah. So all that, right. It, all that minus one, minus one stuff, Persist, Wither, um, the kind of wounding of stuff all got moved to Shadowmore, and we decided to use the beneficial counters, the plus one, normal plus one, plus one counters in Lorwyn, which gave us a great mirror, which was, I think, we were trying to, we were putting the two sets together. So very early on, we sat down, and like you said, uh, Brady was on the team. Uh, we carved out the creature types, I think, super, super early. Yes, that was important um in order to figure out what the heck we should be making um figuring out the, the, the tribes what colors they were in um you know we did some that were large creatures some were small so we ended up you know giants and, and tree folk were important to make sure we could have big creatures in in red and green um we we decided we weren't going to do humans that was going to be a big a big ksp or a big thing that made this set stand out from from others was no humans at all so coming up with whatever that whatever the white race was tricky um yeah i don't know where like kithkin were um in legends initially there's like one card that was a kithkin yeah kithkin uh, I don't even know. I don't even know if that word is real or not, or if it's just made up for magic, or if it had predated magic. But somebody said that you know. I think it was, might have been Brady that said we should use these as kind of our halfling 
Um, they're not human, but they can be civilized and um, relatable. Um, so that was a, a kind of a bold move. And the other the other tribes are more traditional tribal set elf, goblin, merfolk. Uh, elementals were kind of cool because they filled both the role of the you know blue red small creatures but also then in five colors across um all different shapes and sizes um yeah and we ended up seeding these tribes into the time spiral block we knew early enough what the eight tribes were going to be so that showed up on cards in all the time spiral sets to make sure there were some, some of each already in standard by the time this set came out. So that's why there's some Kithkin rebels in time spiral. There's a couple tree folk, um, fairies. So, you know, we did a pretty good job of committing and, and, and laying those seeds early. Another thing I want to mention real quick uh, is merfolk. So there was a period in time where the creative team, they, they didn't like merfolk. Like, like, they're like, they live in water, we fight on land, this is just sort of weird. And so there's a period of time where they tried to take merfolk out of the game. Uh, and that was during Onslaught. And so the tribal set didn't have merfolk in it. Um, and so when we came back and did the next tribal set, we're like, we have to like reclaim merfolk and we had to you know, get like, the. we knew that merfolk was very popular. And so we, I know we brought merfolk back specifically so that we can sort of give them a tribal outing that they, they hadn't had before. Right, and they don't have they don't have legs. There was a point in time where we were doing them with legs, and here I think they're just much more traditional. Um, yeah. So the the set that we had kind of looked at for inspiration, obviously, was Onslaught, the one you just mentioned, the tribal set, which was really popular. Um, that that came out. That was the set that came out in between when I finished playing and when I got hired. So uh, I, I didn't get to work on it, but I, I had played it a bunch and I enjoyed it a lot. And the weird thing about that set or the, the weird thing that people don't remember, and I certainly didn't, was that there weren't that many tribal cards in the set. Like the set was mostly about morph and cycling, honestly, when you played limited. But there were a few like really high-powered, lower-rarity tribal cards like Sparksmith or Timberwatch Elf. Yeah. Um, or, or noxious school or whatever that really paid you for you, drafting a bunch of a tribe but can, can i explain why that was so Aaron? Of tribal cards was not that high yeah yeah so basically what happened was i was really gung-ho on tribal and the rest of r&d was not nearly as excited as i was it and was they they really felt like oh this is the morph set and I remember after the pre-release, there was a meeting where, like, Randy was talking about, like, wow, people really see this as the the tribal set and not the morph set. And I was like, I've been saying this forever. But that that is why, we, like, it, everybody didn't really embrace it. You know, I mean, we embraced it. It was in the set. But it wasn't – I think people saw that as being, like, the secondary thing of the set or something. And I – I really had trouble making them understand that, like, the, the players just love tribal, that there's something about – Sticking lots of creatures yep. together that are the same that's just very lovable. So I remember we played, we busted out some old Onslaught packs and played Sealed Deck with Onslaught as preparation, getting ready to work on Lorwyn. And I, we, I played a whole match of Sealed, and the only tribal interaction that came up in the entire match was my mobilization, which was an enchantment that gave all soldiers vigilance. My mobilization gave my opponent's soldier vigilance. 
That was the <laughs> only tribal interaction that came up the whole time we played. And I was like, wow, I'm just misremembering how much of this was in the set because there were just there were some there was a small number of very focused tribal cards that were very memorable. And that kind of made the whole set feel that way. So with Lorwyn, we decided we were going to kind of go the other way. We were going to make tons and tons of tribal cards that were a little, a little more, a little lower synergy level. Like if you control a giant, you get to do this. Or um, did you know, we put a count, put a we, counter on a Kithkin you control or whatever? Just like much lower uh, ceiling effects, but a lot more of them. Were all the common threshold one? Um. So that that's no, a... no, there were some like I remember silver silver guild dowser was like tap give target creature minus x minus o till end of turn okay. where x is the number of fairies and merfolk you control so there were some scaling effects they were not nearly as powerful as timberwatch elf and sparksmith were in onslaught but they they did exist but honestly we went way too far with this <laughs> we did like the whole <laughs> set was so tribal. Um, and like every card, once you drafted a Kithkin card, like every other card you took just told you to draft more and more Kithkin. Um, and it got on rails so quickly um, that there weren't always very many decisions to make in drafting. And it was often just like whose deck had the highest density of stuff that mattered. Um, we thought we were putting in more like branching paths or decks to go in different ways. We had changelings. That was really cool. Like we took the Mistform Ultimus ability which was this really standout card from onslaught and decided that was something that could be on tons of cards so there's tons of changelings there's actually changeling instants and sorceries with the tribal super type which we can get into if we want to um we have creatures that were like cloud goat rangers a famous example where it's a giant that makes three kithkin i remember initially in design i was hoping we could make a card that was a giant kithkin meaning it was a giant and a kithkin and it was like the giant was the card and the Kithkin were the tokens, but if the tokens died, the giant was still a giant Kithkin, which didn't feel right. So it was just a giant that made Kithkin tokens. We were trying to make cards that branched between tribes, but ultimately that was not enough to overcome the, the sheer amount of synergy within each tribe. Um, yeah, and, and, and it was both put you on rails and increase the board complexity by having all these interconnected tribal effects happening all at the same time which got even worse when we added in morning tide with its class tribal though that combination of things eventually led us to want to do new world order so ultimately what i'm saying is that the amount of tribal interactions that we put in lorwin was wrong and too high and too dense and so um, a great plug last week i had matt place on to talk about new world order so if you do not know what that is and want to learn more about it, go listen to my podcast on New World Order. Yeah, yeah Matt was one of the developers that worked on all these sets. Um, okay, so let's let's talk through some of the mechanics. Um, do you want to start talking tribal? Yeah, sure. So tribal um, is a super type. Is that right? No, it's a card type. It's a card Tribal type. A, sorry, it's a card yes, type. People say it should be a super type. Yes. And they're, they're, probably, they're probably right. <laughs> I obviously just misremembered what it was. It's a card type. Yeah. It's, it's a bizarre card type. It springs forth from very kind of noble, flavorful goals of like 
should there be elf spells? Like, if there are elf creatures, shouldn't there also be elf spells? Like, wouldn't the spells that elves cast be elf spells? So if we said tutor for an elf spell, you could get, you know, this cool spell that an elf cast. Um, the problem is, like, magic was not set up that way from the beginning. So it was really hard to retrofit it in. And the only way we could come up with something that let us put creature subtypes on non-creature spells was to create a second card type that could have creature subtypes, which was tribal. So all tribal really is is a flag that lets you assign creature subtypes to non-creature cards. Um, we did not retroactively go back and errata all the old stuff. We did not make Goblin Grenade a tribal sorcery-goblin. Um, maybe we were supposed to. If we really wanted this to work, maybe we had to go all, all in. But I think we were skittish about it. It was a short-lived experiment. We did it here in this in this block. We did a few more in Rise of the Eldrazi, and that's mostly mostly been it. It was just extra complexity, very weird, hard to explain. Um, and, and and it turns out that like eighty percent of the effects you want don't don't make sense with spells. That a lot of what you're doing is creature centric, and there are a few effects like get stuff out of the graveyard. I mean, there are a few effects that interact with it, but um, it, right. we kind of got we kind of fell in love with the few that we knew worked really well, like regrow a zombie card. You can get um, nameless inversion, which is a changeling instant back from your graveyard if you regrow a zombie card, um, and that feels really fun. But like, there's like four or five cards that work that way that are really cool, and the rest is just bizarre. Um, and something we weren't committed to doing full all over the place. And I think ultimately that just doomed it. Okay, next up, Champion. So Champion, let, let me read what... Uh, when this enters the battlefield, sacrifice it unless you exile another type. So it's Champion A type uh, that you control. When this leaves the battlefield, that card returns to the battlefield. So it would say, like, champion an elf, and it's a creature that when you enter the battlefield, you have to get rid of an elf. The elf kind of turns into it. But when it dies, you get the elf back. Right, so we have long looked for mechanics, and we continue to do so, that show, like, creatures leveling up or evolving into bigger things or whatever. You know, if, if anyone's played Pokemon... Uh, you know, the feeling of turning your, your Charmander into a Charmeleon or, and then into a Charizard is really cool. So why couldn't Magic play in that space as well? Just, here's my small guy, and I turn him into a big, awesome version of himself. Um, I actually think the mechanic's pretty fun. It requires a, a real high density of the thing that you're championing in order for the card to work at all. So some of the, the the more successful ones were the changelings that just championed a creature to any creature. Um, but yeah, we got to write some ridiculous text on some of these cards. You know, a ten two for four mana or whatever Nova Chaser. Um, I, I thought it was pretty fun. When they died, you got to reuse your comes into play effects, um, enter enter the battlefield effects as they're known now. Um, yeah, the, 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 we started, by the way, with a card became an exact, like, kind of like what you were saying. Like, this creature becomes that creature, and it was just way too restrictive, and it just never happened. And so that's when we said, okay, well, we're a tribal set. What if, you know, oh, what if oh, you... Meaning, meaning, like, you had to upgrade your 
Yeah, like this specific creature Kith became Kid that Weapon specific Smith creature. Became Kith Kid Master Armor or whatever. Like yes, yes. Exactly card A and card B. Okay, right. And I don't, I, don't, I don't remember that. I mean, it was very, very early on, but we, we, we yeah, learned sure. really, really quickly that Jess was too restrictive. And so that then we leaned into, okay, well, what if it it's any of a certain creature type that upgrades? So that felt like, you know, you're already we're make, asking you to build your deck around creature type. So we felt like that was more of something that people could do. Um, so next on my list here is Changeling. So we, we, we brought up Changeling. So Changeling says, technically, this card is every creature type at all times. It was, in fact, based on um, the Moonfolk. Yeah, Moonfolk Ultimus. Misform Ultimus. Misform Ultimus. Um, so what happened was I had made Misform Ultimus back in um, Onslaught Block uh, because I was just trying to be interactive with the, the, the theme at the time. Um, and I know this came in about the middle of the playtest, the middle of the design, where I just, I recognized we didn't have enough glue. And so I, Aaron and I would talk all the time and... I pitched, I pitched, well, what if we put Misform Ultimates in, in the set? Um, and I know the creative team wasn't happy about it because they, they had to figure out some way to, to make it work creatively. And they, they didn't want them to be straight-up shapeshifters because they felt that changed the story too much. Like, if there were race of creatures that could just look like anybody, it so dominated what the story would want to be. Um, and so they came up with, uh, we, we joked about the jello molds, the, the, the green see-through... Uh, Creatures. Yeah, the art on them is pretty ridiculous. If you look at something like Avian Changeling, <laughs> it's like a, a goose with a goofy see-through head or whatever. It's it's yeah, they're they're their own race. They can approximate other creatures, I guess, in the in the flavor yeah. uh, in the story. Um, in gameplay, they just are all creature types. Um, the the creative solve was. I think executed a little goofily. Um, I mean, the whole set kind of has that tone, but I, I think the mechanic was good. In fact, we brought it back both in Modern Horizons 1 and in Call Time, and the, the execution on both of those sets creatively is actually pretty cool. Yeah. So um, I'm going to chalk this up as a win. Obviously, we've come back to it multiple times. Oh, I think Changing is a great always, tool. It always works really well whenever we do it. Yeah, I think Changing is a great tool. Um, okay, next up, I, I, I'm going alphabetically here, uh, Clash. So yeah. Clash says... Each clashing player reveals the top card of their library, then puts that card on top or bottom. A player wins if their card has had a higher converted mana cost. Such yeah, I'm not exactly sure how we got to this point. I mean, it it is a a kind of card flow mechanic, meaning whenever I cast a clash spell, I do get to. Um, much like Explore and Ixalan, decide if I want to keep the next card I'm about to draw, which could be good. I think it might have had to do with kind of that we don't want actual violence, so we're just kind of like sparring with each other. Um, anyway, I, it, it was it was tough to balance the cards because you didn't want, like, my removal spell didn't work because of what was randomly on top of my opponent's deck. Um so I, I don't know. This one, obviously, we haven't ever come back to, so it clearly did not work great. I don't yeah, know had, what recollection you have of it, but... We had high hopes, because we're like, oh, it, it, it smooths your mana, so it helps everybody, it makes the gameplay better, and one of the things about Tribal is um, there's a lot of con like synergy connections, like you, you want to draw the right cards and stuff, and so like having a smoothing mechanic really helped that, but 
Yeah, in the end, it's, we had high hopes, and it really was the, the audience was not big fan of Clash. Yeah, I mean, and as a designer, I'm always looking for like little moments, little victories you can have, even if you don't win the whole game. That like you accomplish some small goal, and I, I guess I thought this might be this might feel that way, where it's just like, well, you you beat me, but we did have that cool turn where we clashed and I won, and, and something good happened. But like, it's just so random. Like, it's just like literally playing war. Like, flip the top card up. It's not like, ooh, I'm, I'm very cleverly won the clash. Yeah, Often we, it was just we, like... We put a few played. cards in to help you, but yeah, it, it, it mostly was just random. Yeah, like ponder or whatever. Yeah, we, yeah. we, we wanted... Obviously, we tried to allow you to, to, to min-max the, the clash result, but often it was just you had to cast spells on curve whenever you could afford to, and randomly things happened or not. And it was not particularly rewarding. Okay, next up. Evoke. So this evoke goes on creatures that haven't entered the battlefield effect, at least in Lorwyn. I think they had to leave the battlefield effect in Morningtide. Um, and then there's mana you could pay, and if you pay it, they stick around. Otherwise, they sack at end of turn. So the, the idea behind these were they could be spells or creatures. Um, in my original design for these, they were spells, and you paid to turn them into creatures, but the rules at the time did not want us to do that, so uh, the, the workaround was to make them creatures with ETBs that um, left at the end of turn if you didn't pay for yeah, them. Yeah, I remember the yeah, spell, spell triggers or something. We yeah. Wanted, like, we wanted... Right, we wanted a, a terror effect, and then it could turn into a creature that was like an embodiment of terror. Yeah. Um, ultimately, that, that became Shriekmaw, was the card we, we actually printed. Um I like the mechanic. Yeah, it's quite powerful. You can use it as a spell early, and then later on, once you have enough mana, the creatures are all basically two-for-ones. Uh, we skinned all the them as elementals, so they were kind of embodiments of different spells. The creative was like they were just mashups of different creatures. It's like a ladybug with a pig head or something. Just, you know, all, all really strange-looking things. Um yeah, th this is one of those yeah. mechanics that I'm always on the lookout. Like, I would love to bring Evoke back. I need to find the right place and whatever. But it's definitely on my list of one day we should do it again. I, I, I'm a big fan of Evoke. Yeah, we uh, we used it in Modern Horizons 2 to uh, incredible effect. The, the, some of the most powerful cards in that set are, are mythic creatures that evoke by discarding um, or exiling a card of their, their color. Uh, like Solitude and, and Grief and... Uh, Fury. So, yes, Evoke um, is a mechanic that I expect we will be using quite a bit going forward. Okay, last mechanic, named mechanic, uh, Hideaway. So, th this has a really interesting origin. Um, I guess, you, you want to tell it? This was your mechanic. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just, as a first-time big set lead, I mean, I was trying to put stuff in the set that I wanted to put in Magic for a long time. And... Like I said about, I like little mini games with rewards. And so I was trying to make a mechanic that was uh, kind of captured the feeling of searching for hidden treasure or digging up treasure. Um, so there was, a, for a long time in design, there was a series of cards where some of them had a treasure mechanic, which was exile the top card of your library underneath a land you control. So um, just kind of stash a card under one of your lands. 
And then there's another mechanic that let, I don't know if it was called dig or, or dig up treasure or dig, but it, that let you pay some mana and tap the creature and the land to get the card into your hands. So basically, you draw a card. Um, and it was flavorful and cute. And there, but it was, it was a lot of steps and a lot of words and two different mechanics on different cards. And Eric Lauer, who was pretty new to the department at the time, was just like, if I can do this, why would I ever do anything else with my creatures? Let me just draw cards all day and I won't, I won't ever attack or block. And it's just too much. It's too much. And that was sad. He was right, but it was sad. So I was hell bent on figuring out how to get something in this vibe of like, can I, Play a land that stashes a card, puts me on a little quest, and then whenever I complete the quest, I get the card. And the Hideaway Lands, uh, Shell Dock Isle, and Spine Rock Knoll, and, and the rest were, were that. And I actually I actually like how those cards turned out. Yeah, no, I, 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 it's funny how much iteration that Treasure went through, but I, I do think in the end, Hideout was kind of fun, so... Um... But that, that started as a very major mechanic that was throughout the set at all rarities and ended up being yeah, yeah, this, you know, right. cycle at, 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 at rare. So. Yeah, and actually we're going to probably see that mechanic again soon, if I remember correctly. So um, it's not one that we use a lot, but I'm happy to see that it had some legs. Um, and, uh, yeah, it uh, and, and treasure obviously is something we the, – the concept was powerful – we turned it into tokens like little lotus petal tokens that we use quite often now so I, i'm glad we found a good use for that word and that concept because it is powerful and, and and very fantasy and cool um and so that yeah that's how hideaway came about okay so i i, I can see my desk here so almost to work um but you forgot one big mechanic oh what did i forget planeswalker oh planeswalker okay let's talk <laughs> let's talk that's right that is a big mechanic let's talk planeswalker actually okay uh, so we told this story before. We have, we have, but we we get to tell stories more than once. That's my specialty. Um, uh, originally, these things were meant to go in Future Sight. They're exactly the kind of gag that Future Sight was was hot hot to trot on. You know, new card types. We had wanted to we had wanted as a as a brand to find ways for to have characters that could persist from world to world. You know, it was something we felt we lacked. We always tell a story in a world, go to another world, all new characters. The players were planeswalkers, but we had nobody we could show on cards. We did great work. Creative team, Alexi Bricklow, the artist, came up. Did the original Lorwyn 5 were just awesome characters. I'm glad they ended up in Lorwyn instead of Future Sight, so they had a whole large set to, to shine in. That said, they're pretty out of place, right? They, <laughs> they're not part of the story. They're like the only humans in the whole world. We didn't explain anything about who they were or why they were there. They're, they didn't like solve the problems of Lorwyn or, or whatever. Right. So they, they were not involved in the story at all. Yeah, pretty weird um, that they're there. Uh, but those cards are those cards stand up pretty well for the first attempt at us not really understanding them all that well. Like Jace Bellerin and and Chandra Nalar and and Garrick Wildspeaker are quite fantastically developed uh, and designed and man, they, uh, you know, I'm glad they were too, because they set planeswalkers down, you know, set us on a path where planeswalkers are just such a huge part of our game and our IP. And I think a lot of it is because how well we executed those first five. And by the way, making a brand new card type is no easy business, right? That, 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 like the fact that they came off as well as they did, I'm given, we took a while working on them, but right. um, I'm st- there, there were versions of them that played more like sagas where they would just kind of 
procedurally go through their list of abilities and then yeah. start back at the beginning. Um, there were versions that were like landscape where they were sitting on the table sideways. They kind of look more like driver's licenses than magic cards. <laughs> tons and tons of iteration. So many knobs, as we like to say in, in development, like so many things you can change to tweak the power level of these cards. They have so many numbers on them, so many words on them. Um, they're, they're really hard to make. Um, and the graphic design was new, yeah. and the rules yeah. new, and yeah. they, but, all, man, they we, all worked out. It, it, it did. It worked out. It worked out phenomenally. Really proud of those. So I realized there's one last thing I wanted to ask you about, um, and this, these were um, one of your one of your babies. Um, so you have always loved choice. You you mm -hmm. you love charms. You like like anything that gives you choice. Um, and I know we had uh, they charms had showed up in Mirage, and then we'd done them a bunch of times. Um, but I know you got inspired. So talk a little bit about. Uh, there's a, a very famous cycle from this set that that it was your yeah, baby. Yeah, the commands. So cryptic command, um, profane command, etc. Austere command. Um, yeah, I, I love modes. I love modal cards. I, I remember even working on Fifth Dawn, which was the first design team I was on, made mode men. I wanted to have just creatures that were ETB charms. And we've since made a bunch of those, but they, they're. Um, so we were looking to make, like, one thing Bill Rose would always ask us of, like, what's the theme of your set? Okay, it's tribal. Okay, what do you have for people that don't like your theme? That's always a question he's asking. Like, do, are people going to want any of the cards in your set if they don't like tribal or they don't like this art style or they don't like whatever it is, like, the, the main course is, what do you have for them? So, okay, if people don't like creatures or people don't like weenie decks or whatever it is we're pushing, let's make a rare spell cycle that's new and different and... Uh, I, I just choose instead of just choosing one from a list, like choose two from a list. It's a simple change, but it was yeah. pretty eye-opening and opened up the, the combinatorics of any given card a ton, and they felt very flexible and cool and novel. Uh, so yeah, and we have gone back to that well quite a few times since. Um, so that yeah, it's a simple, a, a real simple thing that I think uh, had a had a high ceiling and, and paid off really well. And those cards are especially Cryptic Command, um, have gone on to become quite quite famous. Yeah, it, it's, it, it, the thing I always love is when you, you change one thing, like just saying instead of three pick one, four pick two, doesn't seem like that different, but it is. You know, just the way it plays, it's, it's quite different. So it's I, I love finding stuff like that. But anyway... Yeah. Oh, yeah, really proud of that, that cycle as well. So any, any final... Just saying I'm really proud of this. Yeah, proud of the cycle. It, it's um, an awesome cycle. It was, this set was, I, we learned a lot working on it, both on like what to do and what not to do. We still talk about it all the time. There's so many examples of things that went right and things that went wrong. The things that went right went really right. The things that went wrong went really wrong. Um, I imagine one day we're going to come back and, and kind of give it a fresh coat of paint and take all the lessons we've learned and make a new a new version of Lorwyn, a new take on Lorwyn. Um so, that, well, I, I I I think we could talk people into that. It's 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 got to be a cool idea. Well, I've been pitching Return of Lauren forever, so I'm happy to hear you say that. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> there there's there's lovable stuff here. Yeah, it's it's interesting looking back. One of the things that's always one of the reasons I love doing the uh, the look backs on the podcast is like this was a while ago, right? Lauren was when when did Lauren come out? Oh uh, seven. Oh seven. Oh seven. So it, it's fifteen years ago. Yeah. Um, 
And, and the set, like, did a lot of things for the first time and really cl claimed a lot of space and did cool things. And it also made some classic mistakes that sort of taught us not to do that and go in different directions. Like, yeah, this, this block inspired New World Order. Uh, this and Time Spiral inspired New World Order. Um, and it's, it's neat. I don't know. I, I love going back, looking back and seeing. Um, I don't know. It's, it's fun. I, I, it's fun looking back. Oh, yeah. So, any uh, final thoughts about Lorwyn before we head off for a well, minute? Well, I'm sure we could talk about Morning Tide, or you can talk to Mike Tyrion about Morning mm -hmm. Tide, but, you know, that it, it, for all the craziness we did here, like, we kind of doubled down on it uh, yeah, as, as we figured out our block plan of, like, we're going to care about different parts of the card. We're going to care about the race in Lorwyn, <laughs> we're going to care about the class in, in Morning Tide, and we're going to care about the mana costs, you know, it was just, we, we the whole block added up in a pretty crazy, crazy way. Yeah, it did. Year. It did. Um, um, it's funny. There's a lot. Of, I mean, a lot of decisions that I made. Like, let's have morning type be about class. Let's change up what colors are what uh, what uh, creature types between the two mini blah. Anyway, a lot of decisions I made. I look back. I'm like, okay, what was I doing? But uh, um, <laughs> you were trying stuff. Yeah, okay. I was. I was trying stuff. So, but uh, but anyway, it was a lot of fun. It's, it's fun. Uh, thanks for joining me, Aaron. It's it's fun reminiscing. Uh, yeah, I do like. Uh, who who was on the team with us? Like like <laughs> Andrew was, Finch, Brady, and Nate, Nate. Heights, yeah. Paul Sotosanti, who was ended up being their lead of Morning Tide, uh, and you and I. Yeah. Yep. So I guess you and I are the remaining uh, members of the Lorwyn. Uh, <laughs> yep, that's right. So, but anyway, okay. uh, I can see my desk, guys. So we all know what that means. It means it's the end of my drive to work. So instead of talking magic, it's time for me to be making magic. So thank you, Aaron, for joining us. This was a lot of fun. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. And for all you, I will see you next time. Bye-bye.